We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Acts 4, page 760 in the Bibles that Alex is passing out. And I'm going to read the first 13 verses of Acts 4 as we start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. Peter and John have um, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. There was a lame man from birth that was laying there and had been laying there for years. And Peter and John looked at him and in the name of Jesus brought healing to him, no longer lame, which led to Peter giving a sermon um, about Jesus which brings us to chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, that's the context. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And that kind of picks up from the day of Pentecost when 3,000 men believed. Verse 5, the next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And by name they mean authority. Who gave you the authority to do this? Or by what power did you do this? Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the power, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that's where their authority comes from, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Kind of goes along with what Daniel was just saying. That's a powerful phrase. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I ask, 
that uh, your Holy Spirit, that his same power that raised this man and gave him strength to his legs and made him whole again, that your Holy Spirit in the same way would, would uh, in a powerfully powerful way work in our hearts and in our minds and our thinking and in our lives even this morning uh, for your glory uh, just exalting Jesus in our lives that that because of our time this morning and your spirits working in our lives people this next week and the week after and the, and the, the weeks ahead as they view our lives we'll be able to tell that we've been with Jesus. In his name, amen. So I heard this phrase a long time ago. It's actually a question. And it's always challenged me. And I want you to think about it this morning. If you were arrested for being a Christian, if somebody accused you of being a Christian and you were arrested sounds kind of silly in the United States, but if you've read biographies uh, or accounts of a lot of other countries of the world, this is reality. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now maybe, maybe we would be convicted, we could be convicted for being nice people or kind people or helpful people or a church attender or a coffee oasis volunteer. But what about being a person that's like Jesus? Whose life is so obviously like Jesus and reflects Jesus would there be enough evidence to convict us? One of the most, one of the sayings that Mahatma Gandhi is the most well-known for is a powerful one for us as Christians. And this is what he said. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That hurts, huh? Um, you know, it's, it's no secret uh, from the world we live in and looking at the news that we Christians have often been the biggest hindrance to people seeing Jesus. Uh, I can't tell you how many times, as we've been doing uh, the Coffee Oasis over the years, how many times in, in meeting with people who do not claim to be Christians, um, how many times I've told people, that's not Jesus. <laughs> that's not Jesus. In, in, in trying to explain the actions or the words of someone who claims to be a Christian, that's not Jesus. Um, one of the ones that sticks in my mind the most that happened a few years ago was uh, in talking to a lady uh, who is very anti-Christian, 
and and struggling with a relationship with a coffee oasis. Um, and I asked her why, and, and her explanation was her son's friend, a Muslim, uh, being bullied by Christians, ended up committing suicide. Um, so that's our topic for these four weeks. Two weeks ago, I preached on helping people see Jesus. And I preached on Jesus, the promised one. And, and one, of the, one of the amazing things in helping people to see Jesus that we can show them is, I mean, this person, Jesus, who fulfilled in himself over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Every one of them exactly in himself. And if we want to help people see Jesus, if you want to see Jesus, I encourage you, look at the Old Testament, read the Old Testament, and see in the person of Jesus the hundreds of prophecies that have been fulfilled by him uh, being the promised one. Last week, Daniel preached on Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And, and if you want to help somebody see Jesus, I mean, help them to see that Jesus is the only way. He is absolute truth. He, is, he said, I am the truth. And in him alone is life. And, and claiming to be those things um, like no one else um, you can help someone to see Jesus. But as important and, and necessary as it is for people to see and understand those truths that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He fulfilled those scriptures. He is the way, the truth, and the life. As important as it is for people to understand and see those truths there's something equally important and let me put it this way helping people see Jesus isn't merely about communicating info to them but about providing a demo for them you get that? it's not just about communicating information to them about who this Jesus is but it's about living a life before people where they can see Jesus. It's like the old phrase where somebody says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we can talk to people and argue with people and explain to people and help them to understand these really important truths about who Jesus is. But if our lives don't match up, people are going to say, it's just a bunch of hogwash. Not just helping people to know something, but, but showing them something by our lives that Jesus is who he said he is. In, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, it's put this way, the kingdom of God doesn't, cons- doesn't consist in talk, but in power. In other words, if people really want to know about Jesus, if we really want to help people to see Jesus then the best thing we can do is for them to see Jesus in us. Question. Can people see Jesus in you? In your life? In my life? Uh, by the way, we, you know, when we're at school, we're, in, we're at our workplace, at home, 
with our families, in our neighborhoods? Do people see Jesus when people see you? Uh, Back in Luke chapter 8, there's a man called Legion. Remember Legion? He was a guy that had so many, he was dominated by so many evil spirits, he was called Legion. And Jesus, he lived among the tombs and he was crazy. They couldn't bind him with chains. And, but Jesus came and delivered him, set him free. And, uh, and as he was leaving, this guy, Legion, came to Jesus. I just, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And Jesus told him something really important. Jesus said, go home to your family and tell them how much God has done for you. Tell them how much God has done for you. Can people see Jesus in us? Do we just talk about Jesus? Or are our lives evidence that Jesus is who he said he is? That, that That he saves and that he heals and that he delivers and that he transforms. So we're going to look at Acts 4 this morning in answering that question. Like I said, if, if you want to come to Acts 4... Peter and James have been used through the power of the Holy Spirit to heal this lame man who was lame from birth. He didn't just get, you know, his knee knocked out from under him in a soccer game. He's been lame from birth. I mean, so he's, and he's in his 40s about, we're guessing. And Peter and John, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus heal him. He's no longer lame. He's in fact, as it's described in chapter 3, he's just hopping and skipping and he's, he is as healthy as you can be. Well, the religious leaders don't like this. <laughs> and they, they arrest them. And they bring him to trial. But as, they are, as they're viewing them, there's this powerful phrase in, in verse 13. When they saw the courage or the boldness, and literally the word means openness. I mean, they're, they're just, Peter and John are just open. They're just, they're in, in their confidence about who Jesus is and their, their conviction about who Jesus is. When they, when they view their courage and realize that they were unschooled, ordinary men, meaning they're, they're not men who had been trained in the rabbinical schools. These, it doesn't mean that they couldn't count, you know, one to ten. It, it just means that they weren't theologically trained people. And yet their boldness in speaking to the people and, and, and speaking about Jesus, it says they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Can people tell that we have been with Jesus? Do our lives reflect Jesus? And in answering that question, what we're going to do in Acts 4 here, we're going to look at three ways that I think uh, the religious leaders recognized how they had been with Jesus. And just to give us a glimpse of what we're talking about, how it was recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus if you'd uh, keep your finger here in Acts 4, but look back to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9. We're going to look. The first significant difference, 
how they could tell that these guys had been with Jesus is their love. Okay? Their love. Look at, look at Luke 9, 52. Actually, we'll start at 51. It says, at the time, As the time approached for Jesus to be taken to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people, the Samaritans, did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for Jerusalem. Verse 54, notice, this is the same John and his brother James who we're reading about in Acts 4. It says, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? A lot of love there, yeah. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. That's why James and John were called sons of thunder. (laughs) Um, Thunder and lightning. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Look at John chapter 9. Another, another under, gives us another glimpse into the lives of these guys. John chapter 9, verse 1. John 9, 1. It says, As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. So this is similar to the guy that is lame from birth, okay? And his disciples asked him, so Peter and John are a part of this, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what I want you to see is, and I think it's part of the reason why James and John are saying, God, you want to just, Jesus, you want us to bring down fire from heaven and, and destroy them is because they saw Samaritans and sick people in the same category, all as sinners. People under God's condemnation. If, if somebody was born blind or born lame, they just assumed that they were under God's judgment and they deserved to be damned, destroyed. That was the thinking of Jesus' disciples. So flip back to Acts chapter 4, verse 9. As Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, talks to the, he says, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, you see the difference? I mean, this is dramatically different in the eyes of these religious leaders. These guys who didn't give a hoot. In fact, they hated Samaritans and they thought, People born lame and blind from birth were under God's judgment, wanted nothing to do with them except God's judgment. Here, showing an act of kindness. And if you flip back and read chapter 3, you'll see it. As they're, as they're coming to the temple and this guy who is carried every day lime, lame and, and laid to beg alms before the people. Uh, the previous James and John and Peter would have looked and turned their faces from him assuming that he was under God's condemnation. But instead, the transformed Peter and John, men who had been with Jesus, are men who look at him, chapter 3, verse 3, and when he saw Peter and John about to enter, asked them for money, Peter looks straight at him as did John and says, look at us. And in verse 5, he says, Silver or or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
walk and they see him healed. That's an act of kindness. Something they never would have done before. Uh, Can people tell that about us? (laughs) That we've been with Jesus? Can they tell a different, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is called love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think so often we we make excuses for our behavior, don't we? Uh, That's just the way I am. Or we joke about it, we make excuses for it. Or are we people that are so spending time with Jesus and so eager to be changed by Him that people can see that we're different people? We're not as angry as we used to be. We're not as impatient as we used to be. We're not as unkind as we used to be. As proud or greedy or lustful. They could tell that they'd been with Jesus because of this act of kindness. The second is their power. First was their love. The second was their power. Turn to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Verse 14. In Matthew 17, Jesus and Peter, James, and John have just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and He's revealed Himself and all His glory to them. They come down from the mountain. Verse 14, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before Him. Lord, have mercy on my son, He said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly, and he often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. Powerless. That's how they were. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 7. And we've already read it. But in verse 7 it says, as they brought Peter and John before them, began to question them. They said, by what power or what authority do you do this? This power that has made this man lame from birth. And and if you flip back to chapter 3, we we see, uh, again, Peter's response and and the transformation Chapter 3, verse 15, it says, You killed the author of life. This is their boldness, speaking of the people, in in response to how this man was healed. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And you see the contrast between Jesus' you faithful, you faithless, unbelieving generation. And here their confidence and their conviction and how they're carrying on in the name of Jesus and his authority and power. Uh, they're different people. And one more, uh, their boldness. Look at Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I realize we're, we're familiar with all these, but... I just want us to see the contrast. Uh, Matthew 26, starting at verse 50. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. 
They've, Judas has arrived to arrest him with the, the, the religious leaders. Jesus says, do what you, you came for, friend. And the men stepped forward and they seized Jesus and arrested him. And, and one of Jesus' disciples reached for his sword. He, he cut off the high priest's servant's ear. Not a very good aim. Verse 52, Jesus says, Put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? And in that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. And this is the key phrase. Then all his disciples stood up and defended him. Yeah, no, <laughs> Then all his disciples deserted him and fled. I mean, these men who had walked with him for three years and, 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 and seen him they fled, scared to death. And here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, the religious leaders are marveling at their courage and their boldness. And we see that same boldness in Acts 3, as I was reading, as they speak to the crowd and say, you killed the author of life. These guys aren't cowards anymore. They've been with Jesus. They're transformed men, and, and it's evident by their love and by the power they demonstrate and by their confidence and their boldness and their courage. Uh, people see Jesus in them. Question, can people see Jesus in us? Are our lives evidencing the transforming work of Jesus? What we're seeing here is that the most powerful means of helping people see Jesus is our own personal testimony. See that? It's kind of like Jesus told Legion. Go and tell your family, go and tell your village how much Jesus has done for you. You know, we don't have to be able to explain, I say you don't have to be able to explain the 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Although I think it's a good idea to know them. To be able to show people Micah 5.2 and the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in, in Bethlehem. And then to see in Matthew the fulfillment of that as God supernaturally brought that about by making the Roman Caesar have a census that would make Joseph and Mary living in Nazareth have to go to Bethlehem when she was about ready to give birth so that prophecy would be fulfilled. We, it's good to know those things. I mean, how incredible it is that in one person all those prophecies are fulfilled. But you don't have to know that. You don't have to be able to explain that Jesus is God. Although it's good to be able to explain that. To be able to take somebody to the end of John chapter 8 and where Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. And in a startling 
explanation referring back to Exodus chapter 3 and God saying, my name is I am. And it's good to be able to bring somebody to those passages and Jesus' declaration, I am God. And, and that's why people picked up stones to stone him because they knew that's what he was saying. But you don't have to be able to say that or explain that. Um, you don't even need, need to be able to explain the theological ramifications of everything that happened on the cross, which is incredible. I mean, and the, the words propitiation and sanctification and, and adoption and justification and redemption and know what all of those mean. Incredible theological truths about what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross for us. But it would be good to know those things. It will make your faith rich and make you more confident in who he is. But the most important thing is for you to be able to demonstrate that you've been with Jesus. That you've spent time with Jesus and your life has been transformed by him. So Jesus, to somebody watching knows that Jesus is real because they can tell by your life and your words and the transformation that's happened in you. How he's changed your life. Has he changed your life? Is he changing our lives? Um, you know, I'm not talking about something that happened five years ago or ten years ago or fifteen years ago. We say, oh yeah, I... Oh, and, 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 and you're still camping on that testimony maybe from five years or four or ten years ago about how Jesus delivered you. I'm talking about today, this week. Uh, Jesus changing me, Jesus changing you, uh, making me a different person, a more kind person, a more merciful person, a more holy person, a more loving person. A less anxious person, a less angry person, a less fearful person. Can people see Jesus in us? A couple of responses just to, just to conclude this morning that I'd like to encourage you to think about. The first is, for you, maybe your response should be, Jesus, I want to know you. I realize that I've known a lot about you, but I don't really know you. I've heard a lot about you. I know a lot of information about you, but I just know about you. I don't know you. And I would encourage you this morning that maybe your response would be, Jesus, I want to know you. I, I want to know how you've... How you would show mercy to me, a sinner, and forgive my sin and, and bring me into a right, right, right relationship with God and change me and make me like you. Jesus, I want to know you. And, and I'd encourage you, if, if that's where you're at this morning, if you've heard a lot about Jesus, maybe this morning is one of the first times and that that information about him would drive you to want to know him, to really know Jesus who isn't just about information, but he's about changing you and transformation. The second response might be for a lot of us who would say, Jesus, I've known you. 
and, and I've known you for a long time, but, but I realize that maybe I've taken you for granted. Uh, that maybe I've put you on the back burner of my life, so to speak. You know, I had a testimony at one time about how you saved me, how you delivered me, how you healed me, but, but I realize now that's, that's years old. And I want my life to show people today, today, that you're real. I want you to be changing me again today. And, and Jesus, whatever needs to happen for you to do that today in my life, to break the pride and, and the sinfulness and the unholiness and the anger and the unkind. Jesus, do that today. Show me today what you want to do in my life to transform me and make me like you so that people, when they see me, see you. When people see us this week, it's Jesus we want them to see, right? I think it's the best way we can help people see Jesus when they look at us. Let's pray. Father, we are all needy people. We're all broken people. We're all sinful people. And and yet by your grace, the transforming power of your Holy Spirit, uh, Father, I thank you that when we spend time with Jesus and and, and we get to know Jesus, that Jesus will change us and does change us Father, I just want to say again this morning, I want to be more like Jesus. Help me this week to be more like Jesus. And and please convict me and, and show me what you want to do in my life so that people will see Jesus more in my life, in our lives this week. Thank you. Amen.